Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining me. I have some great stuff to share with you today on a topic that I think will really help you in life, help you in business, help you in your relationships. And it's about how to be more resilient. A number of years ago, when we started our magazine for our members, we started doing uh, interviews with famous, very successful people and so on and so forth. And the article was simply called 10 Questions. And it was 10 questions that I wanted to ask these high achievers. And it's probably led to the five questions I finish most interviews with on the podcast today. But one common denominator, in fact, there was two. There was two things I would ask them, what, what talent do you wish you had? And it would always come up as some kind of musical instrument or speak a language. And then I would say, what one quality is the single most important quality when it comes to success? And in one form or another, being resilient was always the answer, whether not giving up, not quitting, sticking with it, hanging out uh, until you get something done. At the end of the day, you can't really win if you don't finish the game, right? Life comes with a lot of bumps and setbacks, and we have to navigate this. And so today, I'm just going to give you a few things to help you along the way. So we're going to cover the three enemies of resilience. I think it's always good to know when you're in a fight, when you're up against an opposition or heading into a challenge, you know what it is, and you can prepare accordingly. So we're going to cover the three enemies of resilience. We're going to cover the benefits of being resilient, and then we're going to give you some how-tos so you can be more resilient. So that's what I got for you today. I hope this is helpful. I hope you'll be resilient and persevere till the end of this podcast. So here we go. So we'll start with uh, a definition, uh, a very common thing for me to do. Uh, Mr. Webster says that being resilient means you're able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. So recover quickly. That's a word we use for the word fit, right? Fitness is measured by a person's ability to recover. You run a mile, how quick can you recover? It's a measure, one measure of your fitness. Well, this is about mental and emotional fitness and that resiliency. Another definition is being able to recoil and spring back into shape after stretching or being compressed. Have you ever been stretched? Have you ever felt compressed? Are you feeling stressed and compressed right now? Well, it happens to us all. George Patton, uh, General Patton, said, I don't measure a man's success by how high he climbs, but how high he bounces when he hits bottom. Saw that quote the other day, and I thought, that's interesting, because uh, a man said that to me in my personal life many years ago. His name was Tom Kelly. He was a good friend of mine, and he's passed away uh, since. But I've often shared principles and how-tos of success. I've owned 47 businesses. Of the 47 businesses, 46 have made money. Well, that's a hell of a record. But I'm going to share with you the one that lost money took me an awful long time to recover. When I say it takes six hours to put a bad deal together and six years to recover from it, I know what I'm talking about. And uh, I launched into a business venture years ago, and man, I really learned a lot. I'll be honest with you, it was the greatest university I ever attended. The business success I've owned in the decade since that failure would not have happened, absolutely without that failure. I lost a lot of money. It was a $2.9 million investment, 
it's not that that is a lot of money. It's just that it was all I had. That's the problem. Okay. So, you know, when that's all you got, then that's a lot to lose. But I went through that process and I learned a lot. I was very down on myself. I found myself questioning myself. I lost my confidence. I was second guessing myself all the time. I was stuck in the past. I had a hard time getting over the mistake. I should have seen this coming. I should have, should have, should have, should have, should have. And then along came this friend of mine. He was a golfing buddy named Tom Kelly. He was a uh, warrant officer in the Navy. Simple guy. Not a guy I'm going to sit down and talk about the great books of life with or whatever else. But he kind of quoted George Patton to me. And he goes, well, it's not how uh, high you've climbed, Brian. It's how high you're going to bounce after you've hit the bottom. And, and I saw this quote the other day in preparing for this podcast. And I thought, wow, isn't that kind of cool? Now, Tom Kelly probably heard this through the grapevine in whatever capacity from General Patton. It was a very, very helpful thing for me. Another one of my mentors, the great Gene Kuhlman, I was in business with for a number of years. Again, a man 30-some years my senior. He looked at me and he said, Brian, you've just been to a $2.9 million seminar. What are you going to do with the information? And that was, hey, get over the mistake. Learn from it. It's okay to feel down, but don't dwell on it. And that's what I did. And I can honestly say, that business failure, I learned more from that about how to be a successful businessman than I have from the 46 businesses I've run successfully. And so... Here's a couple of thoughts on it. I'm going to get into the three enemies of resilience. They are disappointment, discouragement, and uh, being depressed. So being disappointed. Disappointed is okay. It's when you feel sad or upset because someone or something has failed to meet your hopes or expectations. This can happen in your business life, but this obviously can happen in your personal life. Martin Luther King Jr. said that we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope, right? This is the key deal, is that everyone in life is going to experience disappointments and experience them on a regular basis. And sometimes it's very painful, it's very intense, it's a very strong emotion. It's when your expectations haven't been met. You had a hope and an expectation and something and it didn't quite pan out and you're very disappointed. It's natural, it's a very strong emotion, but it's also kind of a critical piece. I have a little Y drawn on the sheet of paper here in front of me because it's like, this is the crossroads you're at, and you have to make some decisions. Because disappointment can be a very, very powerful asset and benefit to you in your business and life. Disappointment also leads the slippery slope to the next more aggressive enemy of resilience, and that's discouragement. And so discouragement is when disappointments happen and then it takes to the next level, which is having lost confidence or enthusiasm. Discouragement happens when disappointments are repeating themselves, okay? And discouragement, once it gets into one area of your life, it's going to get into them all. It just becomes that, you know? Charles Stanley, great presenter, said that disappointments are inevitable, but discouragement is a choice, and I do believe that. And that's the hard part of today's message for you is, you know, I, I want to encourage you. I want to help you. But I also want to hold you accountable and I hold myself accountable. And I'm going to use my own examples here today. A great quote says, when we yield to discouragement, it is usually because we give too much thought to the past and to the future. And it's this comparison piece. You feel disappointment. Things didn't go your way. You're a little frustrated, maybe a lot frustrated. You have a choice. And the choice is you can use the disappointment to drive you 
or you can let the disappointment leak into discouragement. And this is where things get really, really iffy. So I'm going to give you an example from my life. You know, I'm in my 50s now. And for any of you that are of the same age or beyond, you realize that working out and getting in shape is a much more difficult task. It's harder to maintain than ever before. You know, now again, the science is you get over 40, you lose approximately more than a pound of muscle every year. A pound of muscle will chew away five pounds of fat. So it's kind of like, Happy New Year. Here's your five pounds of fat every year. Congratulations. That's what you got as a gift because you got one year older. So I have been working out like a fiend. I've been working out with one of the top trainers in the country. This guy's name is Michael Stromness. He's a doctor. He's a chiropractic doctor, but he's also trains UFC fighters and whatever else. He looks like a Viking. We worked out with my kids, uh, and they saw great progress with him during their athletic career. He worked out my brother Dermot. Dermot's seen great progress, so I go, great, I'm all in. So back in January, I sign up with this guy, and I'm working out five days a week. Dermot's working out two days a week. I got involved. I've been eating like very exact foods, yada, yada, yada. I've been at this for six months. And I am just not seeing the results, A, that I've seen in the past for myself, where in the past, when I got real focused physically, man, I turned on the jets right away. I saw results right away. I saw benefits right away. My brother Dermot, he's only working out a couple days a week. He's seeing great results. I'm working out five days a week, longer and harder, and I'm not seeing the great results. And I'm going to tell you I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. And I use that phrase all the time. People say, oh, you should never say that. You should never. You're affirming a negative thing. Your mind is going to betray you. No, I'm using my disappointment to drive me. To say, okay, great. I'm going to use that to turn into energy. And I'm going to talk about that here today. But I'm using the disappointment for me to do a little more cardio, to eat a little better, to do more of the fundamentals. I'm using the disappointment as the energy source to even kick it up a notch. Does that make sense? The other side of this is there's a choice to be made. And I face this choice. So I'm speaking autobiographically to you. Along with the disappointment, I've had moments of discouragement. And discouragement goes like this. Screw it. Screw it. You're working your butt off, Brian. You're got it night and day. You're grinding out. You're sweating as hard as you can. You're getting stronger. You're lifting more weights. You're doing all this stuff. You're eating all these foods perfectly. It doesn't benefit you. This food doesn't work for you. These kind of workouts don't... Screw it. Okay? Or it's like, okay, I come home and there's a big party at the house and there's all the foods that I know don't do well for me. Well, what the hell? The hard work's not paying off? Well, what the hell? Pizza's not going to kill me. You know, uh, what the hell? I'm going to take this next week off. I'm a bit tired. I did a big training program last week. I'm a bit tired. I should take... This is the conversation. This is the moment of truth. The moment of decision. Brian Moran, who we've had in the past, this is where you have greatness in the moment. It's okay to be disappointed. It's very dangerous to let it turn into discouragement. Because discouragement is the slippery slope to the next enemy of resiliency, which is getting depressed. Now, I'm going to, for a lot of sake here, and I'm not going to do an exhaustive expose here on depression, because mental health is a very serious issue. We know more about it than we ever did, and we still know very little. But I'm going to say something that I believe in. It's just, this is my opinion. You can eat the meat and throw away the bones. I think there's a hell of a difference between being depressed and depression. I think we have to be very, very careful in the terms we use and the labels we 
put on people or allow to be put on us. Disappointment is a very natural thing. It happens to everybody. You're going to have disappointments in this life. You've probably had disappointments this week. The choice then becomes about disappointment. Is it going to drive me? That's one fork in the road. Or does it lead to discouragement? And that's when it's happened repeatedly, okay? And now all of a sudden it starts to become more and more of a downer. Depressed is being in a state of general unhappiness or despondency. This is ultimately when discouragement becomes a state of mind. It doesn't stop there is the problem. It doesn't stop there. Then it gets into self-doubt. It gets into sadness. It can get into self-hate. It can get into a faulty self-image. Now, I don't play a psychologist on TV or here or anywhere else. I'm not talking about chemical depressions. I'm not talking about bipolar disorders. I'm not talking about all of these things that exist that have been diagnosed, that have worked through and whatever else. I'm talking about the natural progression of emotion. And that I can't speak to. Oh, by the way, the great Brian Buffini, successful guy, owns a big training company, Mr. Motivator Rebels. Have I ever been disappointed? Regularly. I just shared one very intense one I'm experiencing at the minute. Have I ever been discouraged? Absolutely. Just shared my business failure where I lost my confidence. That's the very definition of discouragement. Have I ever been depressed? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been down. It's the staying down. That's where the issue lies. And so I go back to, you know, a person's success is not measured by how high he climbs, but how high he bounces or she bounces when they hit the bottom. And so this is where, what can you do? What can you control? What can you make a decision on? I believe embracing your disappointments and turning them into drive is a very, very powerful thing. I think touch down on discouragements and recognize your discouragements and that it's a source code for disappointment is a very powerful way to pull yourself back out. I think it's okay to feel depressed on occasion, and that's a perfectly natural feeling. But if you dwell there, it can really end up in a bad spot. Rollo May said that depression is the inability to construct a future. And that's really where it goes. That's really where it goes. And again, I know so many people are battling this and they're dealing with this. And maybe you've had people in your family that have gone and ultimately made decisions like suicide. And most clinicians will tell you that a person who commits suicide is ultimately someone who cannot see a future for themselves. That the future is not better than what they have now or what they've experienced in the past. And they reach that ultimate point. But it's a slippery slope. There's a lot of this going on in the marketplace. There's a lot of this going on in the country. Some of you are experiencing this right now. Some of you may be taking a, a medication as an antidepressant. You wouldn't be alone. One in nine people in North America take an antidepressant. Now, 30 years ago, it was one in 50. So what's happened? I think two things. First of all, I think there's a greater emphasis on mental health. There's greater scrutiny. I think also there's a predilection in our medical system to prescribe first. And then I also think we live in a very, very negative environment in the world today where things always happen in the world that were kind of tough. It's just today it can show up on your phone in eight seconds. And so there are three big enemies to being resilient, disappointment, discouragement, and being depressed. And we have to understand that that's the battle we're in. We have to have a game plan for that. Accountability, help, encouragement, coaching, disciplines, habits, listening to stuff like this, reading books, having positive people in a circle that can help you. It's like, how can you put yourself in a situation so that when these challenges are faced, 
you can step up and fight through. So let's talk about the second major thing. Let's get on to happy time. You guys ready for happy time in the studio in there? They're all looking kind of depressed now that I started talking. So they were actually looking pretty motivated when I started this morning, but now I've hit them with the three enemies and they feel like they're all depressed. So let's get to the happy stuff. Let's get to the benefits of being resilient, okay? And here's the three big ones. Drive, accomplishment, and confidence. Now, doesn't that sound better to you? All right, honestly, doesn't sound better. So drive, accomplishment, and confidence, okay? Neat quote says, you can't start the next chapter if you keep rereading the last one. So we've all messed up. We all have disappointments. We've all made mistakes, okay? And joy collected over time fuels resilience. That's Brene Brown, and she's got a lot of great things to say on this subject. So let's talk about it. Drive. Drive is a vigorous pursuit, okay? This is how you use disappointment to motivate you towards future desires and plans, And that's where this can be your best friend. And you can look at disappointment in a way like you never have before. And there's a toughness that comes with it. There's a mental toughness. There's a fortitude. There's a resilience that comes with it. It's like, okay, I'm putting myself out there. Here I am. I'm working my butt off. I'm working hard. I got the coach. I'm telling you, I'm trying to eat perfect. I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm disappointed with the results. Stay tuned, boys and girls. I'm six months at this in a very vigorous capacity. And I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to win. And I'm using the disappointment right now to fuel me. So that's where the drive can come from. So use that disappointment to motivate you. And there's a huge connection between drive and motivation. In fact, motivation by its definition is the general desire of someone to take action in a particular type of way. So you can use your disappointments to drive you. That's really the big point here. And that's where I say it's a cross in the road. Robert South says, defeat should never be a source of discouragement, but rather a fresh stimulus. Amen. Here's the next benefit of being more resilient, is accomplishment. Now, accomplishment is something that's been achieved successfully. Accomplishment is actually the opposite of disappointment and discouragement. You're checking a box. I had this expectation, I had this hope, and now I'm actually checking the box. I'm doing it. I'm getting it done. I feel like I'm making progress. What are those accomplishments? Okay, It could be I paid off this credit card. It could be I did the certain number of activities to generate leads for my business. It could be the number of sales or income I made. It could be the uh, number of inches or body fat or weight or other things. It, you know, what are your accomplishments? And it can be small. They can be big. It doesn't matter. They can both be used as a fuel to help you keep moving forward. Okay. Again, another couple of quotes here. The great Eleanor Roosevelt said, What could we accomplish if we knew we could not fail? And that's been repurposed in many ways. I've taught on that myself, you know, to act in such a way as if you couldn't fail and, you know, get yourself into that same spot. And nothing ultimately builds self-esteem and self-confidence like accomplishment. And so that's where it comes from. It's like, where does that come from? And so that's where I want to talk about this third part of a benefit of being more resilient is a confidence. And it's a feeling or belief that you can rely on someone or something. It gives you trust. And who's the first person you need to be able to rely on is yourself. And what happens is when you go through a mistake, when you go through a setback, when you go through a failure, the first person you start to doubt is yourself. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay. It's okay to do a little self-analysis, to do a little checkup from the neck up, as Zig Ziglar used to call it. Okay, where am I at? Are there things to learn? 
do we keep learning the same lessons over and over again? Do I keep making the same mistakes? Well, you know, that's the definition of insanity, right? I mean, is there a way I need to do something different? Is there something I need to grow from, learn from? And now it's like, okay, now that particular disappointment is isolated because I keep making the same mistake. I'm predisposed to this. All right, I'm going to use that to drive me to grow. I want to grow in this area, okay? And so what is it? I struggle in the area of, uh, let's say, let's pick one. Now. Maybe it's uh, doing details. Great. Is that something you can grow in? Of course it is. You can develop skills and habits to help you with that. Let's say you're quick-tempered, lose your temper quickly. Okay, is that something you can develop and grow in? 100%. Let's say you're quick to judge. Is that something you can develop in? 100%. All of these things are. And so accomplishment, when acted out, will actually help you get more confidence. And that's when it shows up. You get it from doing, you know? And the confidence then creates the energy, if you will, for even higher aspirations and higher goals, and greater desires. And again, it puts you in the spot. We talked about how to be more resilient. It's the ability to quickly recover from difficult situations, like that sense of being fit. When you have confidence, you're mentally and emotionally fit. That resiliency, it makes you tough, and it makes you fit. And that's a very, very powerful combination. Confidence comes naturally with success, but success comes only to those who are confident. And I do believe that. You think about it. At least in the thing that they're doing. I'm very confident standing in front of people and presenting. Now, why am I confident? One, I've done it thousands of times. I've presented to millions of people. Two, I'm confident in my preparation. I prepare like no one else. I'm into the details of it. I go through it and I rehearse and I practice. And then I trust myself. The best part of when I'm really in flow using my gifts in my sweet spot, if you will, is because I've done something a lot and I've got a confidence of that. I'm highly prepared. And now because I'm so highly prepared, I can relax. And the best stuff that I ever do in my presenting is the stuff that's actually never on the page. It's the gaps between the pages. But the confidence comes out because I'm so prepared, because I'm relying on those accomplishments of the past. And it's very, very powerful. Confidence is the most attractive quality you can have. People want to be around someone that's confident. So what do people do? What do insecure people do? They mask their insecurity in boasting or in this false confidence, okay? And when you have to bolster yourself up. And and again, in our world today, there's a guy named LeVar Ball. His son's a basketball player for the Los Angeles Lakers. And LeVar, he's a character. He's a funny guy. He's the dad. He's got three kids who play ball. And he's just a big mouth braggadocious guy and our world today rewards that this guy's kind of become a personality and this is a guy who averaged two points a game in college okay ray charles could average two points a game in college no offense but this guy's this big braggadocious guy social media loves him for now the media loves him for now and it's this braggadocious thing he's talking about he could take lebron one-on-one back in his day and he could be better than michael jordan one-on-one on his day this is a guy who has two points in college That's not real confidence. And that confidence will ultimately come crashing down. So confidence is that belief, and it's a trust. That's why you can have a quiet confidence. You can have a powerful confidence. Confidence comes with you when you walk in the room. You don't have to say anything. It comes with you. And so very, very powerful. And that's why one of the great benefits here of being resilient is you go through these storms. You go through the three enemies. And you come out driven, accomplished, and confident. 
Uh, that's quite a payoff. See? See how I changed the environment here? You guys were all bummed out, and now you're all fired up, ready to take on the world. That's what we're doing here today, boys and girls. We're having fun. We're making champions. And then lastly, I want to get into some how-tos here. How to be more resilient. How to be more resilient. So how do we do it? Well, I'm going to give you some things on this. Guess what? There's three of them. We're going to intensify our focus. We're going to recommit to the fundamentals, and we're going to make personal growth our lifestyle. That's what we're going to do. And I want to share with you some stories because we know of people, but we never know the whole story. You talk to a successful person, and from the outside looking in, it looks like they never had a bad day. And someone will say, well, tell me your story. And you go, do you want to know the story or do you want to know the whole story? So here's some examples. Colonel Sanders. You know, Colonel Sanders has passed away. And in all the commercials today, they have celebrities who impersonate Colonel Sanders. They have country western music stars. They have former actors and this and that, comedians. And they all dressed up as Colonel Sanders. And Colonel Sanders is this huge brand and these fried chicken stores all over. You know, Colonel Sanders had a restaurant, and um, they built a freeway overpass right where the road used to be by his restaurant. So his successful restaurant became underneath the freeway. But he had a, a restaurant that at the time was very popular. He had this great recipe for cooking fried chicken, and he took it on the road, and he would present it. He'd show up with his pots and pans, his chicken, his spices, the whole thing, and he would do demonstrations in restaurants to try to get them to buy his chicken from him. Colonel Sanders presented his chicken 1,009 times before a person said, I want it. I want your recipe in my restaurant. What ultimately became this worldwide franchise, I don't know how many billion dollar business it is today, a 66-year-old guy was driving around all over middle America, taking out his pots and pans, and 1,009 times someone said no. Now, I don't know about you, I like to think of myself as a fairly plucky guy. I just don't know that I'd go through 1,009. Here, here's the key. It wasn't the ninth no. It wasn't the 90th no. It wasn't the 900th no. He kept going until. And that's the most powerful word in resiliency. It's until. I will work out and eat right until. That's it. Until. J.C. Penny. Everybody knows those stores, even in today's world of retail retrenching. J.C. Penney's still doing pretty well. You know, as a person, J.C. Penney filed bankruptcy twice. He lost his first chain of stores in the Great Depression, and it affected him so much, it hit him so much. He was so disappointed, he went discouragement to depressed. And in those days, their mental health treatment wasn't the greatest. They put him in a mental hospital, okay? Said he was crazy. Came back out. He ended up filing bankruptcy again as 56. But then he kept persevering, kept persevering. J.C. Penney's been married three times. Now, his legacy is one of the great Americans. A man who came to faith. A man who would give away 80% of what he earned. A man who mentored others. He mentored and taught Sam Walton, who produced Walmart. Influenced all kinds of people. Gave tons, millions and millions of dollars to charity. Everyone remembers him as a total success. But at 56... After losing a couple of marriages, after bankruptcy twice, that's when he began J.C. Penney, the store that we know today. So that's the power of being resilient. Walt Disney. You know, Walt Disney's company, Walt Disney's gone a long time. And I don't know what Walt Disney is not going to own in the future. They own, 
ESPN, ABC, they're buying Fox Sports. They're unbelievable. The theme parks, the movie, they, you know, they own all the different dynamics. They bought Star Wars, for goodness sakes. Obi-Wan Kenobi is now owned by bloody Walt Disney. Here's the deal. Walt Disney was fired from his dream job because his employer said he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. I didn't let that sink in for a second. Again, that's what someone else thought of him. That's what someone else thought of his creativity. Lacked imagination and had no good ideas. What is Walt Disney known for? <laughs> imagination. And he just persevered. He just persevered. Van Gogh only sold one painting during his lifetime. Now, this is a guy that was often destitute, often like starving, and he still kept going. Painted more than 800 paintings. Vincent van Gogh's legacy today is one of the masters, a genius. He struggled most of his career. Steven Spielberg, right? Spielberg's rated, you know, one of the greatest directors of all time. He was rejected from USC's film school three times. You know, it's got the name and the brand, the top film school, whatever, three times. Jim Carrey, who became the highest paid comedian in American history, was booed off stage during his first comedy show, and he went home and cried all night. Saturday Night Live, he applied over five times to Saturday Night Live and was rejected every time. J.K. Rowling was broke, divorced, living on welfare when she wrote her manuscript for Harry Potter. Presented it to 12 major publishers. Now, you have to understand, in England, there's probably only 10 major publishers. <laughs> she presented to 12 and all of them denied. Yet the Harry Potter books actually not only became a, a, a phenomenal success a phenomenon in regards to their movies, but actually are being attributed to the resurgence of reading among young people in a 10-year period of time that reading increased by almost 40%, influenced by J.K. Rowling's books. Henry Ford was bankrupt and penniless five times before starting Ford Motor Company. Thomas Edison failed over 10,000 times to create the light bulb. These are hopefully stories, because we all know these people's names. But the only reason you know any of these people's names is they kept going. The one thing is they didn't give up. And I just want to take on a little aside here for a second. Is that I'm sure most of you here today have started something and you gave up. I know that's the case. And what happens is the little voice in your head says you're a quitter. And then you start to buy into that. And then what happens is you do it again. And you give up on something again. And now all of a sudden, this voice, it's like a muscle that you're working out, okay? Those of us who work out rigorously, we know these things, you know what I mean? And so you're working out your quitting muscles. And now your mind and your natural reaction is quitting, quitting. I, I want to challenge you in something, is that you may not be a quitter at all. I've met very few people who are. But you might be a stopper. And there's a hell of a difference between being a stopper and a quitter. And a stopper is someone who got discouraged, a stopper is someone who got disappointed, and a stopper is someone who stopped. But it doesn't mean that you are a quitter. And so what happens is we need to do the things to take us away from being a, a stopper that might take us into being a quitter to a, a stopper to a restarter. To being a restarter. Say, okay, you fell off the wagon, great, get back on. You were doing great in your business, you were having momentum, and then you had a couple of things happening, you got busy, or you got distracted, boom, get right back on the horse. And you say, okay, because today is the only day you can control, and so today I'm going to be a starter, and today I'm going to continue on. 
Uh, one of my favorite quotes in one of my favorite books, The Greatest Salesman in the World, The Great Agmandino, I will persevere until I succeed. That has been my mantra since the day I read it. So I'm going to give you some tips here on how to be more resilient because I really believe this is the one quality that just can change everything for you. So first of all, do a self-audit on your commitment level. A little self-audit. And I would go through all five circles. So spiritual, in your family and relationships, in your business and career, in your finances, and then in your physical and emotional well-being. Okay? Go through it all. And then rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 in regards to your commitment. So, all right, maybe you have a physical goal. Do you have a financial goal? Do you have some things you're trying to get done with your family? We want to have game night once a week. I want to have date night once a week. I mean, what are those things? And rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best. And here's what success looks like. If you're a 5 and you can get to a 6, that's a 10% improvement. If you can get from a 4 to a 5, if you can get from a 6 to a 7, in all five areas of your life, spiritual, family, business, financial, relational, if you go from a 6 to a 5, you improve one notch in all five circles. It's a 50% improvement in your life and your overall happiness and your well-being and your resilience. Powerful stuff. So do a little self-audit. Where people get discouraged and set themselves up for disappointment is, I haven't worked out for years. I'm going to run a marathon. Now, I'm not saying run a marathon's a bad goal. It just shouldn't be the first goal. The first goal might be drink more water. The second goal might be I'm going to walk a mile. The third goal is I'm going to walk three miles four days a week. The fourth goal as I achieve that now over a period of time is like, okay, I'm going to start jogging three days a week. And I'm going to, you know, do a mile and then go to three miles and so on and so forth. You set these goals that you can knock off. And people say, oh, your goals should be unrealistic. And other Okay, I'm all for that. But that's once you've established the confidence of accomplishment. And you get back on the horse and you start getting momentum in your way. And so this is really about intensify your focus. Intensify your focus. Can you go from a five to a six? Intensify your focus. Can you go from a six to a seven? And so that's what I'm doing. I'm getting myself fired up talking. I, I don't care if anybody enjoys this podcast today. I am enjoying it. And I'm getting myself fired up. I'd say right now in my workouts, I'm probably uh, an eight. And you know what? I'm going to go to nine. That's what I'm going to do. Stay tuned. I'll let you know how I do. Venus Willem says, I don't focus on what I'm up against. I focus on my goals. I try to ignore the rest. That's her power of focus. Socrates said, the secret of change is to focus all your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Have you had a disappointment? Things didn't turn out your way? It takes a long time to process that, and that's okay. It's natural. It's natural to feel that disappointment. It's natural to need to process it. But at some point in time, you've got to move on and pour your energies into the new instead of focusing on the past, the hurts that came with it, the wounds that came with it, justifying, fighting arguments that have no longer taken place. Put your energy on fighting and building the new. So first is intensify your focus. Second, recommit to the fundamentals. That's what's going to get you there. It's going to be the fundamentals. If you're one of our clients, we teach people to write personal notes. We teach them to call their customers, develop relationships, and we teach them to pop by and bring a little gift and see how they're doing and check in. Great. I've been talking about that stuff for 22 years. Now, as simple as that is, we call them calls, notes, and pop-ups. It's one part of our overall system of working a database. But the average person in real estate grosses $32,000 in commissions. And we have 21,000 members, and our coaching members average uh, 360,000. 
And it's a little more than 11 times the national average. And how is that possible? And it's possible not because we all, yeah, we just cherry-picked all the highest IQ people. and this. That's not the case. The case is that these folks are working the fundamentals. And so if you want to be successful in something, you have to not just do the fundamentals. You have to not just practice the fundamentals. The goal ultimately is to master the fundamentals. You know, where I'm getting to in my workouts is actually a sweet place. I'm going to talk a little bit about the payoff. So many times I've set physical goals and I want to weigh this and have this much body fat and do this and whatever else. Sometimes I broke it down. I want to lift this and I want to do that. I want to run this amount of time or ride this amount of distance. What's happening for me right now is the greatest payoff of my lifestyle of working out is that I look forward to it in and of itself. That's the greatest payoff I can tell you. And the reason why I know I'm going to persevere through this is that I'm actually, I've made it a lifestyle in regards to my lifestyle. So working out was something I used to do. And it was, I I work, work, work all the time. And working out was one more work. Well, now I actually enjoy it. For the first time in years, I enjoy it. I look forward to going to the gym. I look forward to some of the characters at the gym. The characters at the gym I go to, it might as well be like, it's like living in an episode of The Office, okay? And I look forward to seeing these characters. And I go there, and I'm going to have a great hour in the day. There's hard work, you know, banging iron and a lot of characters that I have relationships with and I look forward to it. It's a fundamental for me now that's actually fun. That's how it works. When you do the lead generation dynamics in in the systems we teach, if you do it long enough and you really get into it and get into it, you look forward to doing it, not for what it's going to bring you. I'm going to get referrals. I'm going to make more sales. I'm going to be able to pay off debt or buy more buildings or do this. You actually look forward to it for the sake of it. Like, I'm going to enjoy doing these Popeyes because I'm going to bring a little gift to some of my favorite people and I can't wait to see their face and I'm looking forward to seeing them and it's part of my lifestyle. And writing personal notes is just something I do, like brushing my teeth. It's a fundamental, fundamental. You know, Michael Jordan, I had a chance to bump into him when he was playing with Washington. And uh, Michael Jordan's wife actually used to be in our coaching program. Uh, she was in real estate for a period of time. And so I bump into Jordan in, I was actually getting a massage in a gym in Washington, D.C. And he had, you know, been an all-time great. He'd gone off to play baseball. He came back, won three more championships with the Bulls. And then now here he is, and he's in his late 30s playing for Washington. And the night before I met him, he just scored 42 points. And I think he might have been 38 years of age. And I just said to him, how are you doing that? And he said, the fundamentals are coming back. Fundamentals are coming back. He didn't say, you know, I did this or my mind. or He said, the fundamentals are coming back. His quote says, get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. Okay? The level of everything you do. There's a guy who mastered the fundamentals of basketball and then masters the fundamentals of business and now owns a team and is mastering the fundamentals of that. So, very powerful. So, we want to intensify our focus. Let's say if we can go from a 5 to a 6 or 6 to a 7. We want to recommit to the fundamentals. And then lastly, we want to make personal growth our lifestyle. Now, first of all, I'm already proud of you guys because you're listening to a podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast, it means you made a choice, at least for this last 40 minutes here, to tune out the news, to tune out social media, to tune out even entertainment in the form of music or other things that you like to do, to make a commitment to your personal growth. And the more of that you do, the better you'll become. And it's like, for me, it's what are you watching, what are you listening to, and what are you reading? Simple as that. Are you going to events? Are you going to classes? Are you putting yourself in an environment to be inspired? 
to me, it's a lifestyle. Now, I'm extraordinarily thankful and blessed that this has been my lifestyle since I first got exposed to it coming to America in 1986. Went to a seminar, saw Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Tom Hopkins, Lou Holtz, men that became my friends and mentors. And since 1986, I had my eyes open that you can actually read and watch and listen and actually self-develop yourself. Because when I was in school, school was something I did to get through school. I enjoyed the sports part of school. I enjoyed my friends in school. But I did school just to endure. I didn't become a student until I got out of school. And that's when I became a student. And I became interested in self-development. And that has led to the business I'm in today and what I get to do every day. So it's fantastic. Like, I prepare for a podcast you know, most people, they saddle up to a microphone, they just start talking. That's a lot of people do. Fair enough. That's not me. I have a team of people. We're doing research. When we're quoting stats, when we have quotes, all these different things. I have a team of people at Buffini Company that help me put these things on. But what a joy it is that I get to do this. And so personal growth, you know, I do our mastermind events or our success tour events or these different peak experience events. And people fly from all over the world to come to these events. I get to go to these things. It is part of my lifestyle because I made it my business. So it's the thing that keeps me going. It keeps me fresh. It keeps me hungry. keeps me excited. keeps me striving all the way. keeps me resilient. The great Jim Rohn said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, you can make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you can make a fortune. And so uh, income seldom exceeds personal development. I can just see him saying it now, looking over the top of his glasses. And so that's my encouragement to all of you. So as I talk about these how-tos, intensify your focus, recommit to the fundamentals, and make personal growth your lifestyle. So we had a full plate here today. We went through the wave of emotions I took you down by. We went and explored the enemy. Three enemies, right? We covered disappointment and discouragement and being depressed. We got into the benefits of resilience, which was drive and accomplishment and confidence. And we talked about how to ultimately go about becoming more resilient, which was intensifying our focus, recommitting to the fundamentals, and making personal growth your lifestyle. So I'm glad you've made uh, the Brian Buffini Show part of your lifestyle. I hope you keep sharing it with your friends. We're very excited that so many new people are joining the show all the time and listening in. We're very excited for the future and the growth of where we're going to take this podcast and really make it even more fun and more entertaining and, and bring even more influential live guests to you. We've got a whole plan of really on taking this podcast to the next level. And we want to take you on that journey with us as we help you get to the next level and help your friends and family get to the next level. Before we finish up here today, the great Mr. David Lally, the lead singer for Brogue Wave, our famous song that we kick off every podcast with. He's a producer of the show and he has a few things to share with you today. Well, thanks, Brian. Powerful content, as always. I love that concept of until. It's about persevering no matter what. For any listeners who aren't familiar with what we do here, Buffini & Company is the largest business coaching and training company in North America. So every day, our dedicated staff help thousands of people persevere and build the kind of business and life they want. I've been part of this organization for over 16 years, and I've watched the results grow year after year. It used to be that those we coach earned eight times the national average income. Today, it's closer to 11 times. So if you're out there as a small business owner, head over to buffiniancompany.com to learn more and find a training event you can attend. Maybe you'll grow your business by a factor of 11 too. 
I also wanted to share a note from a listener who's choosing to stay resilient. This one comes from one of your very own business coaches here at the company, Brian. Barbara Albanese says, Brian, I just listened to the latest podcast. I've been listening to you for 22 years, and this podcast was bullseye. It was dead on. You are you at your motivational best. I love that you're using your mother's blessing more and more. She's wonderful. It adds that extra special touch. Thanks, Barbara. And as always, we're going to leave you with an Irish blessing from Brian's mom, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.